Hello, this is Adi Kaju, and today we'll be mapping postpartum sex on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be talking with Adi Kaju. Adi is the founder of Working Against Gravity, an online nutrition coaching company. She is also a new mom living in Austin, Texas. When it comes to family, marriage, and personal development, the Cashew family has made a commitment to challenging the status quo. Adi and her husband, Michael, work together to design their life on their terms. Hi, Adi. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you. Hey. I'm so excited to talk about this topic. It's so important and you have such an interesting perspective. So pregnancy and childbirth, as we know, Adi, even breastfeeding, they bring biological, psychological, social changes to the body and brain and the home, which totally can influence sexual health. Where do you begin this conversation about postpartum sex for women when you're inspiring others with your own story? Oh my gosh. I feel like it's so hard to know exactly where to begin. There's so many different places. And I think the beginning for me is just remembering that it's important. Right. And that sex postpartum can look so different for so many different people. And just remembering that it's so important for the relationship between the parents. As we're going through this, for us, it was the biggest transition we've ever gone in our entire life, in our relationship. And yeah, someone told us we were gonna lose 80% of our time together, and that has proven to be true, for sure. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. I mean, it takes us back to why sex is important. And we can define sex in any way we want, as you're saying, but that level of intimacy, relational intimacy, it, it in itself, it changes our hormones, right? It regulates our menstrual cycles. I'm sure the oxytocin helps with our brain health. Like sex is important, which is the basis of what you're talking about. Yes, it's super important. And especially in the period of time postpartum, when all of those hormones that you're talking about are being impacted by the baby. So you're getting uh, decreases in estrogen, prolactin and oxytocin are increasing to get that feel good with the baby which is then reducing your libido. And it's so hard to figure out, you know, how can I keep sex being important, but I'm so not interested in it at the same time. 
So how do you, what do, what do you do there? Because we're talking about, I mean, there's decreases in so many hormones. All your sex hormones are like tanking, usually below where they were prior to conceiving. Yeah. I think when you're breastfeeding, your body is almost mimicking menopause. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many symptoms that come with that, like sometimes pain, sometimes dryness, sometimes heat flashes. Uh, It's a wild time. (laughs) Yeah. And so amidst that, also there might be body image issues. There might be pain. There's so much happening. How do you put yourself forward as a sexual being? Yeah. I think that the one thing that I'm so grateful for in my marriage that we did before having kids is have a very strong base level of communication between the two of us. We've been working with a relationship coach, therapist, whatever you want to call her for five years. Mm. And just the ability to have conversations about it, even if it didn't lead to anything. I would have conversations with my husband about, you know, where am I comfortable starting? And like we said already, sex looks different for everybody. And what can be powerful is just skin-to-skin contact between the two parents. So we started with just cuddling and having a very clear conversation with my husband of being like, hey, if we do kiss, I want to know that you're not expecting this to go anywhere further. So there's clear like eliminating pressure, making things easy, making things simple, and making a really low barrier to entry where we can physically connect with one another and feel intimate together without I was literally terrified of putting anything in my vagina at all right yeah (laughs) I mean absolutely it's so interesting Adi one thing I'm kind of getting from listening to you talk there's a lot of preparation we talk about in functional medicine functional nutrition about detoxing mama's body before even conceiving. So ideally, this preconception time being about detoxing and making sure the body isn't passing or is passing as little as we can in terms of toxic load onto our baby. And what I hear you talking about is the relational toxicity, making sure we almost do a relational detox by heightening communication as a functional realm of leading to connection through pregnancy, but afterwards. 100%. Yes. It is such a huge transition in our relationship. And if we cannot communicate, then there's this huge layer of responsibilities that's just been added to our life. And we can't talk about, you know, who's responsible for what. I'm feeling tired or especially as the mom, I'm waking up in the night, I'm breastfeeding, literally the baby is sucking energy out of me. And And I have, exactly. (laughs) And I have to now communicate how I'm feeling, but I'm almost not even sure how. And so just having the base layer of patience and trust and that ability to communicate with one another and just work through challenging things before this really challenging thing came uh, really helped us to be able to work through this and sex in particular because it's kind of tricky there's for me there was a lot of a lot of you know my body I don't feel sexy but I know sex is important and I also have this I don't want him to start feeling like 
you know, his needs aren't being met and I also have the needs of the baby and it's just so many things to keep at once that it can be incredibly overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, no matter how evolved we might think we are in our thinking, right, of who we are and where we stand, all those pressures are felt in our body and in what we're holding relationally. And there's a whole new care and worry in place for the baby. I mean, we just never stop that once I think we find out we're pregnant. And so that's just really interesting that that's what you're having to hold and you're holding that in even your most intimate and physical, or especially in your most intimate and physical relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how did you keep that barrier to entry, as you said, low and just make sure you could have, let's say, the pieces you wanted, but not the parts that you didn't? I think that... The two things that were really helpful for me was one, when I was with my husband, I was in charge of leading the pace and we had clear understanding that if he wanted anything or wanted us to be doing something different, he could ask and I had full permission to say no. And I had to practice. Like he would ask me something intentionally and be like, I want you to say no. I had to practice saying no because it was really hard for me. That was really helpful. I was in charge. I was leading the pace. And I felt very safe and comfortable in that. And we had explicit conversations, you know, if we're going to kiss, which we had like the best makeout sessions of my Mm. life postpartum, which is (laughs) we were like kids again. Um, It was amazing. And I had a conversation with him explicitly like this doesn't mean we're going to be having actual intercourse. We might just kiss. I'm going to – I got to lead the pace there and he was totally okay with that. And I think the second thing that was very, very helpful for me was exploring alone by myself. Yes. So I took a mirror and I looked like, what is even going on down there? What does it look like? I waited some time. I didn't do it right away. Scary right away. I (laughs) remember feeling like, whoa, swollen, like craziness. Exactly. So I took some time. I didn't want to look at it immediately, but... I put a mirror down there. I'm like, what is even going on down here? I took some time. I I set the mood. I lit some candles for myself. And then I just, you know, participated with myself and explored and felt around before, you know, going into an experience with another person where they have their own desires and I might feel pressure or want to please them. I took the time to really get comfortable with myself being a sexual being again. This is so important, you know, on so many levels, just in terms of our relationship to our own sex and sexuality, postpartum or not. But a few things I just want to reflect and underscore because people might come out of postpartum and not have a partner. So you're really diving in and saying like what we can do for ourselves just to foster that sexuality that lives in us, no matter what, whether we are sharing Sharing that with a partner or just reactivating that sense in ourselves is so important. The other thing I'm struck by, Dee, is not just the beautiful communication that you and Michael had going into pregnancy, but that it sounds like there was a, you know, I'm going to call it a healthy relationship, but I don't even think that's a fair word, that maybe there was less conflicted relationship. You had done your work around your sex and sexuality with each other and as an individual. And there may be people entering into postpartum period who don't have a 
again, I'm, I'm dubious about using the word healthy, but have a more conflicted history with their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really love the first thing that you mentioned of some people may not have a partner postpartum. And one thing that I think I discovered that I thought was surprising in this experience of going through postpartum myself and getting back into sex in general was when I did explore and I did feel for myself what was going on, I actually didn't expect to connect with a piece of myself that reminded me I was an individual. And it remind there's the sexual piece of me is completely disconnected from my child. There's no like sexual energetic exchange happening between me and him. Exactly. And it reminded me, oh yeah, I'm my own person. I'm not just a mom. I'm not this like new identity that's consuming me. I am my own person. I am my own individual. And it reconnected me with that. And that really helped me with the massive change in identity that was happening in my life where I'm like, is this all I am now moving forward? It's like just a mom. Um, It kind of reminded me like I am my own person and I don't think you need a partner to experience that. Yeah. I mean, it really hearkens a feeling I had and my circumstances were of course unusual because my husband was diagnosed with his brain tumor while I was pregnant, going through treatment through pregnancy. But I remember even at when our son was 19 months old and he passed, my husband passed, that people would say to me, at least you have your son. And I remember that feeling of like, but wait, these are two different things. Like, I don't understand what you're saying to me. And in retrospect, 20 years later, I understand what they were saying. But I was having that experience where my relationship as a partner, as a mate was so distinct from my relationship as a mother that I couldn't even understand them in the same context. And I think a lot of people lose that, which you are talking about. Yeah, that's what I heard a lot of when I was talking to my friends who had kids or I was reading about it online is this consuming identity of becoming a mother and losing yourself as an individual. And I think sex can help reconnect you to the piece of you that just doesn't belong to that relationship at all. Mm, Yeah. So why is this work so important to you? You're really passionate about this conversation. What have you seen it do for you and in your conversations for others that makes it, uh, you know, part of your mission at the moment? I just think, I think it's possible that orgasms are medicine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Exactly. And so I feel like Sex and love and orgasms and relationships and communication is a I, – I want to find a better word than portal, but I'll use the word portal to a happy and fulfilling life. My husband is the person in my life I'm probably going to spend the most time with. And going through this period of time of having a new baby, we had the most – tension we've ever had trying to decipher, you know, how do we take care of this new being with limited amount of time and how do we still do all the things that we want to do and take care of ourselves? And sex was such an important piece of us being able to work as a team. I don't think if we didn't have sex, we would have been able to get through it the way that we did. It's kind of like, I would imagine anyone who's ever had an intimate relationship before can understand where you've gone a, a period of time that's longer than normal without having sex with them. And honestly, just like the way they look at you annoys you. And you're like, 
I don't, you didn't even do anything wrong, but I just kind of am annoyed by you. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. And then you have sex and you're like, oh yeah, I remember. I love you. I forgot. Yeah. It's transcendence because it transcends all the things that we have to do or get done in our daily life. Exactly. And it's, it's so important to me because I think all of that is not only important for us as individuals, but I'm very passionate about raising amazing, well-adjusted children. And I feel like having the example and the energy around the baby of these two people, if there is two people or even one person who's connecting to themselves and really taking care of themselves just helps them do the same as they grow up. And I can imagine it's such a calming feeling as a baby. I, th I think their language is like touch and energy and being around that I really think is setting them up for success. Mm, and it's so what you're saying in essence is that sex and what sex represents inside the relationship, both with yourself and with your partner is a non-negotiable. And I know you come from the world of nutrition and exercise and movement is clearly a non-negotiable for you and your work and what you care about. But I love that you're really bringing us through the right side of the matrix into that relational and that network place of how we connect as a way of health and healing. Yes, it is exactly like exercise and nutrition and fitness. I really treat it like the same practice where there's some days you don't want to work out, but you do your workout and you don't regret it at the end. And you do it because it's good for you. And if that means we literally schedule sex on our calendar, we have it every Tuesday and Saturday. So today is the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I think it's a non-negotiable. You're making it a priority. And I, I think we actually have to do that throughout our lives and throughout our lifespan, whether you can orgasm or not, that sense of intimacy with self, that sense of yourself as being a sexual being and that partnership with others. I'm sure that there are ways that this whole conversation can become confusing and conflicted, as can any conversation around nutrition, around exercise, what's right and wrong. It's individual. But I love that you're bringing it into the forefront and especially that you've made it a non-negotiable in your own relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It is a non-negotiable and it is on our calendar, but sometimes we skip it. And the fact that it's on our calendar just makes us, forces us to think about it. Like, oh, why did we skip it? It's on our calendar. We have to like actually notice that it's there versus being unconscious about it and just noticing three weeks later, like, oh my gosh, I haven't had sex for three weeks and I don't know why. Right. Yeah. So smart, Adi. Thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation with us. And really, again, the prioritization of sex and relationship in our overall well-being. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. 
The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. Thank you.